0: Welcome to Becoming Unshakable with Sarah Wolf and Patryden Ahunty. The purpose of this podcast is to empower you to improve your life and become your own coach. Together, we will guide you through mindset techniques and psychology tools that we have applied to change our own lives and to help others do the same.
1: During these episodes, we'll be taking you through mindset exercises and practicalities so you can feel free to get your journal and your favorite pen and take some notes along the way.
0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode 2. Today's podcast is going to be an interview for myself and just basically to go through everything that led me to want to become a coach, which is a beautiful story, not exactly the most happy story, but it might actually teach you a thing or two, which is the main thing that I want you to take away from it. So Sarah's here with me and she'll be interviewing me. Hi guys.
1: Welcome everybody to episode two of the podcast. We're so delighted to have you here. Yes, today is a very special episode for me because I have the honour of interviewing my beautiful friend, Patrick, on how she started everything in the middle and I suppose where she is now. So yeah, I suppose to kick this episode off, Patrick, the first thing I will ask you is where did it all start for you I guess now that you're a coach like it's not like me or you like woke up and decided to be coaches so what was your journey basically
0: absolutely so I think it all started to be honest when I was really little because as it happens I used to play with brats. I don't know if you ever played with brats dolls but I used to literally just play like you know one of them just basically being a therapist for the other one But having said that, uh, it wasn't, I wish it was only that, but it was actually a lot more things that, you know, uh, basically tore down my confidence, my self-esteem, my self-worth. And I guess I always had this little innate ability to make others feel, I guess, more cheerful and better within themselves. And I was always a really happy little child. I was one of those that was just super, super affectionate and then what happened was, you know, there was a lot of negative stuff in my family and a lot of, you know, there was a lot of separation and I moved to Ireland and things like that. So things got a little bit ugly there. There was a bit of bullying at the beginning. And I guess that was the the least kind of traumatic experience that I had. But I know that you can relate, Sarah, and I, that a lot of people can relate as well in terms of you know, what kind of impacted them at first to basically the first impact that the negative impact that they had at first. But yeah, I think what happened was there was a lot of self-sabotage within my life that I basically noticed that was not okay eventually, as in a few years back. But over my life, there was this sort of tendency to really, really self-destruct and really dislike myself and similar to you because i didn't really have that self-worth and didn't have respect for myself i could see that others were reacting in that sense of treating me the way that i would treat myself so yeah that's that's basically the main reason why i wanted to help others because i studied psychology and i saw how things worked in the brain how you could really make changes and how you, you actually get impacted by these you know negative situations the thoughts the behaviors it all made sense, but I wasn't taking anything you know I wasn't taking action on any of these things and yeah I provided therapy for a while in a clinical psychology center and I realized that you know I could actually make a difference in people's lives, but I hadn't started you know, basically doing it myself. So that's where the coaching kicked in when I was like, okay, I actually need to make a difference here with with my own life, not just help people. And then when I could do that, I really started to actually do the coaching properly because I was actually embodying what I was talking about as opposed to talking about well being, but not actually taking care of my life. (laughs) So that's basically where it came from. I was always interested in it but it really came into place when I started to really look after myself and embodying the things that I was studying about, teaching and doing workshops on and things like that. So that's where it came about but there's a lot of details in there that obviously you know about that are quite disturbing but are really good to talk about so that If anybody has gone through them or is going through them, they can at least they can listen to it and understand that they're not, first of all, that they're not the only person going through that. But also what to do with that, because a lot of people feel like they have zero escape or there's no way out or this is all that they deserve. And it's literally the opposite of of what I've realized and what I've concluded on. So that's just like a little, really, really brief <laughs> summary of why I've become a coach. Because like I've seen a lot of things, I've experienced a lot of things, and um, I guess we'll go into detail now in a few minutes. But that's a very brief summary.
1: <laughs> I'm laughing. You're like me. I'm like, yeah, that's a very brief summary. And like thirty minutes later, yes, <laughs> trying sorry. to tell my whole life story. Already joking. Amazing, amazing. So I suppose the first question I have is like you don't have to get into the actual experiences, you know, um, everybody has their own, I suppose, like you said, trauma, whether it's minor or major, like to the person it doesn't really everybody is quite subject that's quite subjective for everybody. But um, I guess in terms of you saying you embodied and you put things into practice, can you maybe first of all, do you want to kind of get into maybe some of the main emotions or feelings you were feeling? During those really tough periods and then maybe kind of what you started to do, I guess.
0: Yeah. So the main thing that I have found when I look back and then when I reframed and, you know, learned all my lessons and journaled was that there was an overall lack of sense of self. And because I didn't know who I was, and what my identity was, I didn't actually have anything to grasp or to hold on to. And I always had this feeling that I was empty, that there was some huge hole missing in my body, like there was literally some huge part of me missing. And what was actually missing that was that's in terms of like what I felt like overall throughout all you know many many years like a decade more than a decade and the lack of sense of self just felt so empty that I had to fill it with other things so like the binge eating and the bulimia was literally trying to escape from my emotions and self-harming was that sort of escape as well so it was like I couldn't physically do anything with the trauma and I was I didn't actually know how to regulate myself and I don't think we're taught that in school or anywhere at that because even with like a school counselor in my experience not very beneficial or not very impactful for any of that at all so it's quite difficult to be you know going through school and going through college with all of that and you know so that's summary of like the emotion that I felt was just a sense of emptiness and like completely dysregulated like a really dysregulated nervous system of trying to do anything impulsive to feel something and then at the same time was like self-harming to feel something again that wasn't the emotional pain that I was feeling so it's it was like a constant seeking an escape, basically. So it was between the impulsive behaviours and between the sort of numbing, trying to numb myself with like alcohol and, you know, toxic relationships, anything that I could hold on to that was like, oh, I'm destroying myself. You know, it was like this complete subconscious thing that was like, whatever is bad for me, I'll do it. I don't care because I don't know. I just had so much pain with me um so that's kind of the emotion and the way I dealt with it uh was through bulimia binge eating yeah like I did try to commit suicide twice but nothing came out of it thankfully and you know I was grateful that obviously very grateful now because I'm really happy now I'm a really happy person as you know but um yeah, it, it kind of frightened my family, but they didn't really know what to do because they thought it was kind of a call for attention and things like that. And one thing that I would also draw a little bit of attention to is kind of the, this sense of borderline. So like there was extremes, you know, the kind of really trying to basically be impulsive, not even trying to, it was just a reaction to, to the emotion, to, to this dysregulated state. And yeah, so a little bit of like sexual abuse was experienced as well, which a lot of people have, and they feel really uncomfortable sharing because it's such a sensitive topic. It's really, really intimate. But something that I would say to anybody who's experienced that is, you know, always feel free to talk about that. And I know it's uncomfortable, but it brings this huge feeling of shame and guilt as if we have done something wrong but it it literally has nothing to do with you if you have gone through that experience and even with the bulimia the binge eating and the self harm there's always this huge amount of shame that you're kind of carrying with yourself and I feel like that almost makes you feel even more disgusted with yourself and that's a vicious cycle again because you keep doing it so if there's any sort of negative emotions around that and that you're carrying it, is that don't hold on to it and know that none of it is your fault. I think that if somebody had literally grabbed me and told me that when I was younger, I would have bawled my eyes out because I wouldn't have believed them. And knowing that now, I'm like, of course it's not. (laughs) Absolutely, no, it's not. Because it's nobody's fault if, if they go through these experiences. It's just something that happens and then you really try to dig out the lessons from it. And that's the main thing so that it doesn't happen again and so that you feel safe again because feeling that safety within was really important for me. And now that I'm grounded and that I meditate and really focus on that sort of healing aspect, I couldn't possibly imagine feeling dysregulated. And when I do, I know exactly what to do. And I'll share a few tips as well in terms of like nervous system regulation and meditations that I have and things like that. But yeah, I think the last straw was the anorexia, as you know. And, you know, that near-death experience was just that that bit too much seeing my, my family struggle with the pain. And I just decided after that really toxic relationship and anorexia that that was kind of it. And the reason I mentioned the anorexia is simply because I know that a lot of people have struggled with this but also the kind of toxic relationships it's it's a bit of a habit and a cycle and I know as women uh, it happens a lot obviously as men too but you know I think as women we might be a little bit sensitive to manipulation just because of certain concepts but One thing I would just say in terms of if you're if you've just gotten out of one or anything like that is to simply focus on yourself as much as you can and just focus on that healing and building yourself back up by really raising your self-worth and self-esteem because that really gets torn down. And I think, Sarah, you can relate as well in terms of that. Like, it's almost like we sometimes don't notice the patterns because it's happening every day. And it's bit by bit that you get torn down and broken down. And, you know, like, say I had one time somebody, you know, this this partner of mine at the time saying, oh, you know, something about looking like a whale on a beach from a picture and things like that. And I know, I'm very, very aware that that does happen in relationships, and that kind of can really tear down someone's self-esteem, like over and over and over again. And you can really tell how that really cuts down on someone. So basically, it really is just one of the things that I would focus on is really building on self-worth and self-esteem when you're doing therapeutic work, and obviously other things that that we'll talk about later but that's basically in terms of emotions as a whole that's how they were impacted by different things and yeah that's that's essentially just a little bit about it okay
1: amazing thank you so much for sharing and it's not easy for you to share a lot of traumatic experiences there that you went through in your life especially like you said with the would you say body dysmorphia as well or was it yeah it was all there It was awesome. I suppose the 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 biggie of this episode is going to be for somebody who is in the depths right now listening to this, for somebody who is actually going through one of those experiences. Or more that you just talked about, that you live that version. What is your you know, what's your your advice, I guess?
0: Mm. I think my first one, just because I know what it's like to feel so dysregulated don't listen to, if anybody is calling you basically insane because you feel so emotional and you're basically almost crying all the time, or you're angry, frustrated, you don't know where to put all of that emotion, is to begin to regulate. So this sounds really silly to somebody who's not used to listening to these terms, but getting into a really safe place in our bodies is underrated like we don't talk about it enough and I was exposed to a lot of situations in my life like within my family where I felt really unsafe um my father's actually bipolar and you know there are really challenging situations that you can get into with that and I think when you're raised in that kind of family you're going to feel dysregulated in your body and potentially unsafe and what happens when you feel unsafe is that because you're used to it sometimes you actually feel comfortable in unsafe relationships or in unsafe situations or environments so the number one thing would be to make sure that you feel safe and regulated and comfortable within and get used to that feeling so like begin to do some breath work and really really look into even just look them up on YouTube I know I have one but like I have many meditations, so do you, but there are so many on YouTube as well that you can easily look up just like simple relaxation breathing techniques because what that does is really get your body into a safe state. And I don't know if I had known that at the time. I remember I did some with my child play therapist and it was the only place that I felt safe at the time. Uh, Those sessions were my little safety haven and that feeling of safety is is really essential when you've been through many situations of trauma. And even with binge eating, with body dysmorphia, with bulimia, when you get yourself into a safe state, you can actually get your normal appetite back. You can start to have regular meals because you can think with clarity. And if we're able to think with clarity, a lot of things just naturally come to us that are regular, that are more normal, and that we can see as safe, basically and not look for these sort of impulsive behaviors, you know, when our breathing is sort of all over the place and things like that. So that's definitely number one. But because if somebody really is in the the depth, I would also really suggest to obviously speak to a therapist or a professional that has been through this, because that's the important part as well. If they, if the other person has life experience with that, they're going to take you through it quite well. But Getting to know what's going on in your mind is going to be important rather than holding on to it. So journaling, getting used to doing those things are going to be quite essential when you're in the desk and just like not knowing what's going on because journaling will help you to get that clarity of knowing what's going on aside from meditation. So you can do that, those little tools together and they're going to really help you in that
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing, Patrick.
0: So that was kind of like
1: you could say a lot of heavy stuff is very much in the past, obviously behind you. So you obviously, I think like me, I think we had this conversation before. You got through some of the darker stuff through psychologists, through therapy. And I do like, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think like you said, if somebody is in the depths, it probably is advisable to go and speak to somebody like professional. I think it probably is. Try some of those we're giving advice but I think when it gets that far am I right in saying like it's really a must for you to like share that with somebody right
0: yeah absolutely Mm. 100% and if it is really that bad as in I'm talking in terms of you know if you're if jokes come out of a really bad relationship and things like that now if you are at that stage where you are thinking negative thoughts about life-threatening thoughts in fact then that's definitely the time to really seek Proper professional help, I'm talking psychologists, psychiatrists, medicate. You know, if some people take medication to soothe that first initial PTSD. Now, I had PTSD, so I understand that sometimes you might need chemistry to interrupt that, but I don't personally advise it because I would never go back to it personally because I know that I can basically shift my state when I can, but I know some people need to when they have faced, especially with anorexia and those really sensitive illnesses, because with that, there's just so much that sometimes you need that crutch in terms of those really like, you know, almost terminal illnesses, then you can really, you, you can really see the power of that. But I won't get too much into that because basically my role as a coach is to empower people and to help people heal but I'm not an eating disorder specialist, so I'm not going to be <laughs> pretending I am because I don't do that. I don't do that as my work. But if somebody was to be in the depths of that, I would definitely recommend that. Now, body dysmorphia is quite different. That's quite different because what you see, and I know we work through this again with yourself and I. But with that, it's that sometimes I'll give you a really, really straightforward answer when we are not eating regular meals and regular snacks and things like that now again I'm not a dietitian but this is what I've noticed on my healing journey it's that you actually your brain has an increased chance to make up body dysmorphic thoughts and that's that's a fact so if you don't have fuel in your body and you're not regularly fueling and nourishing your brain is literally going to be malnourished so it's going to increase the tendency to, you know, you're going to look in the mirror and be like, there's something very wrong there and it's going to seem completely distorted. Now, even when you're fueling, if it's still there, it means you might need some CBT. So I do CBT with my clients and that's kind of like re-narrating. So really retraining on the thoughts that are happening and the behaviors. So if you see what you're thinking about, then you're going to be able to pick out what's irrational and what isn't. So you're going to say, you know, even with EFT tapping, so it's the same. It's very, very similar. You're going to say, OK, this is what I thought. And then you can really work with a professional and say, is that actually real? Or is that what your, your mind is thinking right now? You know, and it's the same with EFT because you can tap away and say, hmm, my body's disgusting. My body's disgusting. And you can tap away and you're like, wow, that's not true. And then, you, you know, you can tap away and say, I'm really getting to the realistic thoughts. So that's what I found really helpful for body dysmorphia. Uh, so, you know, negative body image, EFT and CBT have been extremely helpful. And then re-narrating your story, like really trying to tell the story of like, okay, um, my auto- so my body, no, my brain is telling the story that my body looks like this, you know, it's like really kind of it's a nearly like a child story kind of way but you're actually telling the story and then you're seeing the untruth behind it you know and that's quite helpful
1: amazing I love that and uh, it just I love that whole when you're saying it over and over again your brain starts to want to disassociate it's kind of like that Tony Robbins um, technique where you stick your finger up your nose while saying do you ever hear that I know it sounds yeah. disgusting right <laughs> yeah. no but it's i did it because like, i did um tony robbins unleash the power within workshop the online one and one of them was like write down all the beliefs you have about yourself i know this is kind of a off topic but it's still sort of valid and say them in the mirror in a really stupid voice your finger mm-hmm. up your nose But well, honestly what it does then if you look at yourself in the mirror with finger up your nose in a really stupid voice saying the things that you believe about yourself it actually subconsciously makes your brain want to disassociate with those thoughts do you get me because it makes you feel so stupid like when you associate with it so it's just kind of powerful like you said like sometimes when you do that work like of is it true though you know it's it's mad Mm -hmm. like okay so now I'm going to get on to the next phase of Patrick so like that was phase one right that's how I see it so I also had a phase one where I got through I healed a lot. Right. But then the next phase for me was massive confidence. Right. <laughs> we're not going to get into confidence again. <laughs> I'm going to just take over. I'm only joking. But like, you know, I suppose, talk to me about phase two of Patrick, because if you were like me, you healed from the stuff, but you didn't feel fully confident yet. You no, healed, is. but you're still like way back there. Fear of judgment, fear of all that. Talk to me about phase two of Patrick does that make my sense favorite.
0: yes <laughs> this is my favorite perfect <laughs> um bear in mind I don't I never shed a tear when I share my story because I've talked about it with so many specialists <laughs> I'm like okay I'm done now um okay. you just make
1: all the rest of us cry and you're fine <laughs> I'm
0: like I'm grand guys no I don't I don't sound emotional when I talk about it so it's totally fine um so the next part is the most is actually, I love it so much. Like, and I know it's phase two hasn't ended. That's why I love it so much. So, basically, it started with an absolute breakdown. <laughs> it always does. I had an absolute breakdown when I went to Mallorca to see my mom, and that's where where I lived with my ex, where all the anorexia began. So I was like, Jesus, like, how am I going to cope with this at all? So I had a breakdown when I came back to Cork, and I was like. I don't know how, how I'm going to manage this. But then I finally grabbed pissed off, of course. I used to always be pissed off in phase one, by the way, in all my life, in my teenage years, up until two years ago, I was always pissed off about something. So I was very fuming, angry to, towards my mother for whatever reason. And I grabbed on the way out uh, the book, of you know, The Secret. And I had read it when I was 16. And I was like, I don't even know. I need something to read for the plane to calm me down. So I read it as I was in Cork. And, you know, I something just ticked. I don't know what it was, but it, something ticked. Because everything started just flowing. Everything. Like, I mean to say everything. I just meditated for a month straight. I became a monk for... <laughs> I became a monk for a month. And you know, like it reminds me of Jay Shetty, I think like a monk, but I was genuinely, I couldn't stop. It was like an addiction. You know, I was so blissed out. I was so happy and I was so relaxed. But the biggest thing was that during these like one to two months, I just began to forgive everything and everyone. So I started writing letters. I literally wrote a letter to, to my ex, forgiving him even though he wasn't going to get it, but it was for my own peace because I was like, I, it was like doing a big clear out of my mind, my soul and my, my body. It was just unforgettable. And every now and then I write letters because otherwise it's stuck within you. And even though you might not want to talk to somebody that has hurt you or that you have hurt, It doesn't matter because you can still write to them and you can get it out of your system, even if it's your dad, you know, if you don't have a good relationship with your dad because you can't. So that's an important one. So I went through a really big forgiveness stage and then within that stage, like the beginning of phase one was a lot of visualization, started affirmations and, you know, I could really like as I was meditating, I could finally feel regulated and happy for the first time in like my life. And I could just see the potential in what I could possibly do with my life now that I could finally breathe and gain some clarity. It was just shocking because I had never seen a happy, a properly happy Patrick, because I was always a smiling girl. But I was never properly happy. I was always kind of people pleasing or pleasing whoever, whatever boyfriend I was with, all of that stuff. So for the first time in a long, long time, I was like, wow, I'm like, it's like my little child came out because I was that really happy child. So it was beautiful to see. But the most, one of the most important things that I started doing was visualization because I could finally, it wasn't pretending, it was just getting into the state of how I wanted to feel. So say some meditation say, how do you want to feel? And that for me, no one had ever asked me that question. So those visualizations for me were extremely important because I could finally begin to feel really happy and excited and bliss and all of those beautiful things and juicy things that I hadn't felt, you know, in a long time, unless I was drunk or Anything else, so really, really powerful transition period of my time, and of course, it was around this time that I began to, you know, get with my current partner and stuff, which is actually the first healthy partner, you know, first healthy relationship I've had. I won't say first healthy partner, but the first time I have felt healthy enough to have a healthy relationship, we'll put it that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's so relevant because it's true, like when you step up in self-worth that you kind of attract that back in your field of existence and that includes partners, right?
0: Exactly. It includes even friendships because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just quite surprised, not surprised, but I'm very delighted with the people that I have really close connections with. I mean, like I've really connected because I've connected with myself I have been able to connect with others in an intimate lovely level because I actually like myself and I think that's a huge difference because before I had friends everywhere in the world but that didn't mean they were people I necessarily really loved or really deeply connected with or that they knew all the parts of me before you know because before I used to do you know make up white lies and stuff because I was really afraid of being seen I was really afraid of you know people judging me and thinking certain things about me about you know how I acted or how I thought because you know I had a lot of negative thoughts and now if you know if I do have negative thoughts and I share them with my partner or I say it to my friend I'm like I'm having a bad day but also it's just it's really nice to connect properly with people and that will only happen when you actually get to know yourself and you get to really love all the parts of yourself and it doesn't matter if you know you've had you know a few years in the past where you might not have been the nicest person in the world well don't blame yourself because maybe you were really sad because maybe you were really depressed and you weren't able to
1: you know absolutely powerful amazing when it comes to working with girls it's a good way to put it because obviously everything that we do is an extension of us you work with solely women right now am i right or men as well
0: yes i have one male client as well oh, cool at the amazing yeah amazing.
1: what is it that you what's your mission with the people <laughs> that you work with or what's yeah. your i know it's so abstract we could be talking forever about what we want to help them with but in mm-hmm. general if you were to sub it up what is it that you want to provide for these people you know
0: yeah, my purpose is is definitely to empower others to build their own foundation and self-worth so that they don't depend on others. And the reason for that is because I used to think I needed to rely on a man before because I didn't get the parenting I needed. But that doesn't mean I can't parent myself. I can't reparent myself. And that's really unique. And I think a lot of people don't know that. So when they come for coaching... I say, you know, I talk about reparenting and doing inner child work first and maybe it doesn't make sense at first but then I explain exactly why and guess what, we're adults now and it means yes, of course, this happened to you when you were younger and yes, of course, that's what your mommy said and that's what your dad said and that's what your auntie used to say but you're not there anymore and you don't get to have the same beliefs as they had, you don't get to harm yourself the way they did and you know you're in a different world now so i always make sure that people feel grounded enough and healed enough to take it to the next level because i think when people think about you know let's get some coaching they think you know sometimes it's it's easy to say okay but my goals your goals cannot be accomplished if you do not feel grounded within yourself and you don't do not feel strong enough and powerful enough within. So you need to really build, build that foundation. And that's why I talk about foundation.
1: I could not agree more to that. I think that's why actually even in my program, I leave goals until the end because the person is so much more grounded and confident and self-connected to actually see Day. I genuinely believe even the likes of motivation and discipline is very connected to your levels of confidence because how can you trust yourself if you haven't healed from some of those p- patterns like we talked about if you're still living that kind of version that's trying to do it all or please everyone or you know, you need to get like really like self-connected to know, first of all, to know what you want to achieve because you might have these goals, but I guarantee you by the end of a coaching program, they'll probably change because you'll realize so much along the way of what's actually important to you. So it's interesting, isn't it? So amazing. So right now you're working with some one-on-one clients. Obviously by the time like people listen to this podcast, you'll probably be doing a whole bunch of stuff. So where can people find out more about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. On my Instagram, I actually have most of my things. Now, I did have a website and I'm currently rebuilding that because it was mostly focused on career coaching. And I want to really emphasize the fact that I have stepped away from that a little bit. And I know because obviously I do HR and I do organizational well-being, it's related But my focus has really switched, and my purpose has really switched to really build that foundation so that people can really become unshakable and develop that really strong self uh, sense of self worth. So most of it is on Instagram, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to be constantly doing workshops, realistically. So there'll be a little bit of me everywhere in Ireland. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I just wanted to mention even. So on my page, you'll actually see there's an inner child healing meditation. It's only called healing meditation because some people don't really understand until they click in that it's an inner child. And it goes into detail about explaining why it's used and why it's the first thing that I have on my link tree. It's because it's so important and I couldn't actually possibly have lived without it. Uh, When my first, you know, when I did it for the first time with my therapist, I just thought everybody needs to do this it's literally the first thing that you <laughs> you need to do. So that's the first thing that you see on my tree. and then the next is just one-to-one programs and there'll be plenty more to come but that's that's further down the line. And yeah, so if I was to give one tip from now is well actually I have three exercises that I want to share today because I know we're going to share exercises as we go on. So I don't want to go into too much detail, but if you're to do something do this one thing and take away whatever you can from it, because it's very powerful and really get into this kind of receiving mode when I call out the exercise and, you know, whatever you know about anything, call it out, just forget it and just completely trust this because it's life changing. So these are actually used by psychologists all around the world. And this is what you do to reframe the past. And I think Sarah does something similar to this as well. So you take the three most significant times of your life and write at least three lessons you can gather from each event. The reason for this is actually because when we have events, sometimes we just look at them as negative, like completely negative. This negatively impacted my life. This is what it did to me. But as you know, in contrast to that, we can look at what did I get from this even my relationship with my parents, something bad that happened, what did I learn that I didn't want in my future relationship or in my life? Because if you see the things that happened, you take away, you always take away something because every breakdown, every every single negative thing has something positive, And I can assure you that. So write down three things that impacted your life, whether it's your childhood, potentially your teenage years, and then write down three lessons that you learned from each event, and that's that was very powerful for me, very powerful. And then number two, it, this this is completely life changing. This really worked really well for me, and Sarah does something similar to this as well. It's identity shifting. I could talk about it until the cows come home. It's just so important and basically just begin to explore everything that you do not like that you're doing right now I have some exercises on my Instagram but basically look at everything that you are right now that you are not currently appreciating so it could be something like you're not committing to things or you know you're you're feeling unreliable in yourself or anything like that and any parts that you want to let go of of self-sabotage and write about that person that you actually want to become so you can use this as a visualization as well but it's more about journaling. So who is she and who who does she want to become, you know? So who do you want to become and what does she what does she feel daily? So she wakes up and how does she feel? What does she think straight away? Do you know what's her first thought and what does she what is she grateful for straight away? You know, who does she hang out with and all of that juicy gratitude needs to come into it as well. And how does she look after herself? A huge one. So what is her self-care routine? What does it look like? And get to know her, really, really get to know her and visualize her, literally walk as her, pretend you are her for a day and do this. Once you have journaled and gotten real good clarity of what she looks like, what she does. And by the way, you can really gather some habits from other people that you know don't do them all because otherwise your your head will explode but really like collect the things you know the, the things that you want to become it's like I want to feel joy you know I want to feel happiness most of the time so how can I be her How can I do this now? And that's beautiful. You know, how how do I become this confident being? And you know, Sarah and I really, really go through that as well. So it's a beautiful exercise. Identity shifting, trust me, works wonders. And then with inner child work, what is it that she needs and that she couldn't receive at the time? That's the third one. So again, it's like going to the future and going to the past. So, how how can I nourish? My past self, and how can I become my future self that I really, really want to be? So it really goes both ways. And trust me, you can be in the present, but also nourish both ends. And that's one thing I've really, really gotten out of visualization. So those are my three little things.
1: (laughs) It's like your timeline, isn't it? Like, as you say, I feel like you can always, we do timeline therapy meditations, which I'll get into in another episode, but you can always visit your past and change. Because remember, in that past event, I literally had a workshop with a girl about this today. In that past event, you chose something based on your ego. So you chose to believe something that wasn't good for you at the time. And you can absolutely go back now, right, Mm -hmm. as your confident self to that past experience and think and look at it like from a much more logical uh, viewpoint right because we're not able to do that when we're younger we just kind of take things personally but now that you're an adult and you've got a more emotional intelligence and we're hoping to really drive this home throughout this whole podcast looking at things logically is key looking at other things the person the other person in the event they're like all the other thousands of things going on in that event instead of the taking things personal and the thank god that happened because Right. That's another one, Mm -hmm. because this is what happened in my life because of that. And actually, just on that point, Mo Gaudet did a study, I think, in Google where he asked all recipients of the study, you know, if they were to go back to their trauma, as painful as it was at the time. But then they looked at the butterfly effect. So like every single thing that happened since that moment, would they actually change it? Would they remove it? And 99 percent of people said no, which is so powerful.
0: amen (laughs) to that like you know what I mean yeah absolutely yeah so yeah you know that's it like when when people ask me oh my god I'm so sorry that happened to you and I'm like that toxic relationship that anorexia and I know this sounds really insensitive but it was those were the best things that ever happened to me because I just feel like I could take anything on I really do. And I mean it when I say that, like people probably don't believe it when I say that. And I'm like, I genuinely feel like I would do anything because if you can go through all of that and not break, hello, I'm still alive. (laughs) So I'm good, you know, and it really makes you stronger. Like it's not just saying it, it makes you super, super strong. So that's all I'll say.
1: (laughs) No, listen, thank you so much. I mean, that was like, I think that was beautiful because we got to see every phase of your your journey so far and I suppose what's led you to here and like I said like I think like to be totally honest with you this probably sounds a little bit harsh but I think when it does come to me and you the reason we get on so well is because it really does come from the harsh like what we speak about because we've kind of we've be well, we not kind of we've basically lived the versions of the clients maybe that we want to help basically in a sense, even though we're going to get lots of different like clients with lots of different things going on with them. You know what I mean? But in general, we feel like we've, we've both lived the the path and we've kind of seen ourselves in a sense, and we're still on the journey, but we've seen ourselves come out of a lot of it, like a lot stronger. And I think that's the purpose behind this podcast. Like, like we said before, A, to normalize this stuff and B, to like, just to let you in on how, you can overcome things, how you can build yourself up. And wow, I just love that every second of that. So thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing those exercises. I have them all written down because we never (laughs) stop growing. (laughs) I'm going to spend some time in my journal tonight. And Patry also has a lovely WhatsApp group at the minute where she's posting some fabulous meditations. So I know meditations is really her thing. So check them out on her. I'm sure she'll have lots of things on her Instagram when you guys are listening to this.
0: Thank you so much. That was fab. Thank you for listening, Thera, And thank you guys for listening because I know it's a long story. So I appreciate you guys taking the time and hopefully you got at least something out of it. And that's what matters to me so that's the main thing guys
1: and as well because obviously we did share some sensitive issues in this please please do reach out to one of us or if we can help you at all in any even not even me with the stuff that Patrick talked about reach out to somebody or talk to a loved one please guys because this 100% like this is your calling that this has to be attacked now if it is going on with you Thank you so much, Patrick. Guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode and we will see everybody for episode three. Thanks, guys.